Welcome to the Bare Naked ABCs, where we discuss every Bare Naked Lady song alphabetically from 7 to Y. And this week we take one step forward, but don't worry, we're not going back to the start, just the start of the song. Aaron, uh, we have we have Aaron this week. We do. Hello. And I love that you started doing this podcast with me because before I, I thought that our tastes in music were very different, mm. but this podcast has really shown me that we've we've got a lot more keeping us together than keeping us apart. <laughs> I see what you did there. <laughs> <laughs> and this week we have a guest that I haven't seen in a long time, but she has finally come around. I've been missing you, Kristen. Hi, it's so good to like <laughs> virtually see you. I know. Kristen and I did a couple of shows back in Lakewood days. That's a long time ago. That's like 15 years ago at this point, it seems. Not quite. <laughs> Close. Not, not quite there. You're, you're aging me a few years there. <laughs> you played, let me get it, Inga? Ula. 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 I yes. had to get it right. I had to think about it for a second. Yes, you played Ula, and you were an amazing Ula, by the way. Thank you. That I would do that show in a heartbeat. We did the producers back uh, a few moons ago, not many, just a few. Um, <laughs> and it was I'll such... cut out how many years ago when I when I edit. It was such a blast. I think it, well, it was like 2009 because it was um, when I was still in school. Mm-hmm. It was just before I had my son. Matter of fact, uh, it was a couple weeks. We ended a couple weeks before my son came and joined my family. Well, congratulations. He's not 15, is he? No. <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting. That was my last show ever. I've never done another theater show since then. So, Oh, wow. I, yeah. I did a few. I did another one with our friend Bobby. I feel like he's been on the show, right? Bobby was a mainstay for the first year. And nice. Okay. So his, Bobby is his a life very has good pulled him away from us. Okay. Well, Bobby is a very close friend of mine, or at least he was um, back in the day. And I still consider him a good friend. And we did a few shows together after the fact. But then, you know, it's hard for me to get up to do a show in the summertime. I would like to get to the song tonight. Um, if you haven't guessed it already at the hints that I threw out, we're going to be talking about the song Hold My Hand. Why don't you hold my hand? We're taking one step forward, but we're always going back to the start. Why don't you hold my hand? Maybe we got much better at looking at the other's heart. Which was written by Ed Robertson, but Aaron... <laughs> What album is it off from? Unfortunately, this one was spoiled for me. So I know oh. that it's off of Silver Bowl. But <laughs> it's kind of interesting because um, in our experience thus far, we, you know, of course, we're only up to the H's. Uh, but the songs that I've heard off of Silver Bowl thus far, I've been not too enthusiastic about. I mean, they're not terrible, you know, but like there have been such highs in, in the storied history of BNL that I've, I've been comparing it to. And it. For the first time tonight, I'll go more into this later. I really, really like a song off of Silver Ball. So. Um, and as you mentioned, it's off Silver Ball, which means that there is a commentary track on Spotify. So let's talk a second about what Ed and Tyler had to say about this song. Hmm. Uh, they said it was a groovy song <laughs> and that they did this as a whole band take, which is a very unusual thing for them to do at this day and age. Usually everyone's in a different different room they add different things in as they go along but this one whole band take everyone in the room playing together another interesting thing they point out i didn't realize it until after i heard the, the commentary and then i heard it again i heard the song again i was like oh yeah one guitar is in the left ear the other guitar is in the right ear and they're kind of dueling banjos kind of playing and they said they were going for a rolling stones vibe with this song so we'll get into whether or not they accomplished that, but that's what they were aiming for. Um, I think it's interesting to say, according to Setlist FM, and I'm starting to doubt Setlist FM at this point. According to Setlist FM, this song has never been played live. Really? I don't. Yeah. I'm surprised. 
that's that was my thought. Like this is a rocker. I would have thought this would have been one that they even during the tour for this album, it says they never played this live. I can't imagine that. Is that like common that people don't play songs off of an album that they're touring for? No. <laughs> Especially <laughs> BNL. Like they typically will will like I would say fifty percent of their set is the album that they're currently advertising and then the other 50 percent is oldies mixed in if they're doing 50 percent and they didn't even hit on this one <laughs> i'm like maybe it's like the stepchild that they want to just kind of like put in the corner like it's it's there it's a part of the family but they try not to highlight it he's there yeah, he's there. He's he's in the family portrait. Just look at the back of the album. It's he's right there, but we're not going to put him on the front. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm trying to remember, and I have it here. And of course, it's silver balls. So that means it's buried. Uh, let me see if I can pull it out because I'm trying to remember where on the album it is. Um, it's actually right in the dead center of the album. It's number seven out of thirteen. So. You can't get more dead center. So even there, they tried to hide it. And we haven't covered the other songs around it. So (laughs) people would be like, I don't know those ones. Or maybe they do, but they're not as well known as some of the other B&L songs. Um, So let's break this this baby down. Let's start talking about the music of this. Aaron, would you like to give us a breakdown? Sure, let's break it down. Break down. Go ahead, give it to me. So, Hold My Hand was recorded at 118 beats per minute exactly. One thing I like about the newer B&L songs is that I don't have to try and guess or make an approximation for the uh, the tempo. Uh, this was recorded to either a click track or electronic drums or loops or whatnot. So 118 BPM. It's, interestingly enough, written in the mode of A Dorian. So we're back to a modal song after uh, last week with Hidden Sun. Uh, but this one's a lot more straightforward, which saved uh, what little remains of my sanity. Uh, also starts out with an intro with two chords backing for- back and forth, bouncing, just like uh, Hidden Sun as well. In this case, we have A to G, so you have a 1 to 7. You have your tonic down to the 7 and back up to the tonic. Uh, the verse and the intro share the same changes, The you know just the bouncing uh, A to G. So we have A section and intro, A section and verse. Then we have what I will call the pre-chorus which is C, G, E, D, descending down. So you have a three, seven, five, four. Uh, and then we're back to the verse, A to G, it's A, A changes, pre-chorus again. Then we hit the chorus, which is C, D, E, G, which you'll note is the same chorus as the pre-chorus section, but in ascending order rather than descending order. Uh, interesting because in the pre-chorus, the lyrics are... When you go down, and the chords are going down. And then in the chorus, it's more uplifting, and you get that rising, more optimistic feeling, and you get the lyric, uh, I'll be coming through. So it's very programmatic, and that appeals to me. Uh, I like that a lot. Uh, Instrumental A changes again, pre-chorus, and then chorus. Instrumental A changes, and that's how it ends. It sort of keeps on the A changes, ramps on them while we have a guitar solo. And um, while not technically on the same level as Mark Knopfler... The bluesy feel definitely scratched my Dire Straits itch more than a little. I'm not disparaging Ed's guitar playing at all. It's great, and I really love it in this song. But Mark Knopfler is the kind of guy, someone who's been playing guitar for a decade, goes to see in concert, then comes home and throws their guitar into a wood, chop, wood chipper. You know, it's like, it's not fair. That guy must have <laughs> sold his soul. Uh, but it's a great it's a great way to end the song. Nice, nice bluesy guitar solo. I like it. Um, so I guess you got like an A, A, B, A, B, C, A, B, C, A kind of feel to it uh, or form to it. Uh, it's, it's again, compared to what we had last week with uh, with Hidden Sun, it's a lot more straightforward. But it is interesting. It's, it's in uh, A, Dorian, which is kind of uh, different. And um, it's got an interesting feel to it. And I really like the programmatic elements with uh, the lyrics matching the kind of the, the chord progression and, and the change. And you get... Interesting variations on the same chords, which still sound quite different and can make the feel 
of the song quite different in different sections. Uh, I enjoyed it. It's interesting that you said Mark Knopfler because I, yeah. I had in my notes, I said Dave Knopfler, which of course is the brother and, and also plays in the band. Mm. I believe he's the guitarist that does more of the bluesy stuff, but I could oh, be really? wrong. You, uh, no, you're, you're, you're the... I, I like Dire Straits, <laughs> but I'm by no means a, an expert on Dire Straits. I defer to you. Mark Mark's the lead singer and and does the lead guitar, but Dave does the the bluesy kind of guitar that is the not rhythm guitar, but the one that kind of I don't know gives the feel of the song usually that gives it that bluesy vibe. Uh, but I think it's funny that we both were like, "Yep, yeah, this is there's a very some, dire some Knopfler straits. influence, regardless." Yeah, <laughs> but it's interesting they go Knopfler. They said they yeah. were aiming for Rolling Stones, like. At the end, this is very dire straits I think so. I think so. Yeah, especially like down by the waterline. of love like very much that kind of feel I thought what do you think Kristen <laughs> I didn't get any Rolling Stones vibe yeah um, this is what I wrote down it's the best song that your mediocre local band plays at the dive bar. <laughs> I love it. I mean, that's my. That's pretty much me saying it's the best song on Silverball. So. <laughs> Hopefully, I'm not offending anyone right out of the gate. <laughs> oh, don't worry. We do it all the time. Yeah. <laughs> um, Drinking the haterade. It, it was a little bit like I felt a little bit of like country vibes. But it just didn't have like a catchy enough like rhythm or the lyrics also. I mean, only one band can use the lyrics hold my hand, and that's the Beatles. <laughs> and that was like a huge hit. Or Hootie and the Blowfish. Like they could they could hold it. I think I would have to listen to that. I I feel like I know it, but I it's not coming to my head. Yeah, for some of the other songs that you sent to me to listen to, I got kind of like Blues Traveler vibes. Mm, mm -hmm. I could hear that. Yep. I and I think they actually, they, they did some touring with them at, at some points too, or they hit some of the same venues um, along the way. So it, it was definitely that alt, alt rock 90s band. Yeah. Um, so. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, some of the notes that I wrote down is just like the... Some of the other songs sounded like, but we're talking about this song. So I should talk about this song and not the other ones. <laughs> well, um, I, I think that they were kind of going for that in some ways. And I think they missed. Like they had, so there's, like you mentioned, there's this country twang that's in the song. And then disappears and becomes bluesy instead. Now I know that country there's like, a lot of is crossover based there, yeah. off from blues, but like there is a definitive twang that comes with country versus the Mark Knopfler Dire Straits kind of bluesy sound that has that echoey reverb that, that's in there, and it switched from one, which is a very hard twang, to that bluesy kind of reverby kind of sound on that steel guitar. Great thing is I can edit out all this dead noise. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just thinking to myself, is this going to be the one where I actually like it and Tracy doesn't? This is going to be so rare. It might be. The left guitar, I don't like the distortion he puts it on. In the, if you're listening to it on, on stereo, the left speaker is your bluesy guitar that he's going for. But then he distorts it so it almost has a very hard rock kind of feel at times. And I'm not sure why he does that. I don't think I have a problem with the sound itself. 
Just like I don't have a real problem with the country twang. And I don't have a problem with the bluesy sound. But I want them to pick one. <laughs> I can't. I don't like the fact that they keep switching from the country twang to the bluesy guitar to the hard rock distortion to the back to the bluesy twang and kind of all over the place. Yeah, it's a little confused. It needs to find its identity. <laughs> oh, I think it's unique. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> That's one way to put it. Now, I don't know. I don't know if you could pick it out, Aaron. You're you're actually getting pretty attuned to these guys' voice at this point. Mm. There's a person doing baritone on the backing on the on the hold my hand lines. Hold my hand. I couldn't pick out if that was Ed just doing baritone or if they pulled Jim in to, to kind of do the baritone behind that. Mm, let me take a quick listen. Um, yeah, I just assumed that was that was Ed layering his own vocals when I listened to that. And it might be. I, I couldn't tell. So. so my thought on the instrumental that you were talking about, Aaron, was it felt a little empty. As a person who grew up listening to Dire Straits, Metaphoric Brothers at Arms was probably one of, you know, that big meme that's kind of going around right now is like pick the top 10 albums that were influential in your life. And and Brothers at Arms was one of the most influential songs to me growing up. Um, So I, I... I can hear when someone's going for Knopfler, and I can hear when yeah. someone misses on it. Well, like and I said, just... he's not technically on the same level. You know, it's just it's just a straight up fact. I mean, very few are. Uh, <laughs> well, I, I also I had uh, Brothers in Arms on cassette back in the day, so I, I remember. I used to put him inside my Teddy Ruxpin. I would, I would have Teddy Ruxpin singing Dire Straits. It was great. That that would be amazing. I want a video of someone actually <laughs> doing that. That's wonderful. Um, but that actually, I didn't own CDs, of course, or albums. I owned cassettes, and mm-hmm. that was, I think, the third cassette that I ever owned was was Brothers in Arms. And then, of course, the best of, because I had to build up from there. So the first instrumental, I guess, you get, I guess you would call it a first instrumental. The first bridge is empty. The second one was a lot more full, and it's more of an outro than it is a bridge, because it doesn't go to anywhere, so it's an outro. But... It, it's a minute long, and I would have to say that that was my favorite part of the song. Matter of fact, the rest of the song probably, probably sounded like that. I would have been all over that song. <laughs> yeah, it was a strong finish. It stuck the landing. <laughs> Matter of fact, I would say get rid of the bridge of this song and just, like, because it makes you not like... I, I like the outro so much more that I yeah. think the bridge is missing something because of it. And so the second time listening through, I'm like, oh, well... Why, why didn't you just do more of that in the middle there? Like, or just cut that out. <laughs> I've heard better licks, but I, I liked it. Um, and then for, for really deep BNL fans, um, I have to say, like, by the fifth time through it, I was getting these really bad deja vu moments of, like, I've heard this bridge before. I've heard this. What am I hearing here? Um, and it's because it's actually very close. I'm going to put the bridge in right here. Sometimes I don't know what to do. And then I'm going to put in the chorus of Just a Toy. Right here. There, and we won't be hitting Just a Toy until at the end of this yeah, year. Yeah, it'll be a while. <laughs> um, but I don't know if it's just the chords, but they sound eerily familiar. Matter of fact, I, to the point that I was like, I know this, I know this part song. I've heard this song. I and I had to go through every single album, every single song on maybe maybe you should drive and Bopes mm. just to to figure out which one it was, <laughs> which song it was that I was hearing. Um, and I don't know if they did that on purpose. I mean, if you make two hundred and eighty songs, you're bound to repeat themes, um, and that might just have been what happened, or it might just be the chords were very similar in doing so. Like then, like it brought up this memory so they're sampling their own song yeah <laughs> which I, I i'm not gonna i'm not gonna give them a hard time about but <laughs> back to the well <laughs> <laughs> and i think that's actually a good thing because it didn't feel like they were trying to go back to the well it didn't feel like they were trying to pull back this memory and and make you go 
and and like let's redo that old stuff that really worked well for us because first of all let's face it like those the second and third album did not do well for them to begin with um and just a toy is is probably one of their deeper catalog type songs anyways <laughs> i don't think that they would try to d- dig into that well if they were going to anyways i i like that it, it did sound good so it just there was something inside me that kept saying i've heard this it's kind of a baller move sampling your own song. You're like, hey, remember that? I know this was good. Well, you're gonna listen to it again. We put BNL in your BNL so you can BNL while you BNL. That was way too meta for me. <laughs> or they could have just been like, hey, we know this. We could play this in concert. We already know it. Now let's talk a little bit about the lyrics, which is my favorite part of the the discussion. Always, what did you guys feel that this song? Is about. Is it bad that I got like kind of dirty vibes from some of it? <laughs> You're gonna have to continue down this path because I'm I'm very confused right now. <laughs> go go ahead, go for it. We're we're not a we're not a PG. No, podcast. I'm just curious. Okay, I wanna know. I'm like, I mean, somebody just left me a review that they can't listen to it in the car with their kids and left us a one star review, even though we're like an explicit podcast. So I'm like, how? <laughs> Wow. What can I say? What can't I say? Kristen, I know not to listen to your podcast when the kids are in the car. <laughs> Thank you. I listen to it religiously every week, but it's always when the kids are not in the car. Great. We don't want your kids to listen. <laughs> um, I don't know. Just the, the going down part. <laughs> kind of like it's... The way that they punch the lyrics. <clears throat> when you go down, when you go down, I'll be right there with you. And then they're talking about like holding hands and going down. And I'm like, is it bad that my mind is just going to to some bad places? <laughs> no, no. I had not I, considered that, but you may be right. I, I have to agree with you, Kristen, that my brain went there and I kept pulling it out of that direction to be like okay no that can't be what they're actually saying here but at the same time it could be what they're saying could be a I double entendre you know don't know probably i hadn't even considered that when you go down if it's dirty it's confusing i interpret it as you know ed is this you know he's got he's got a you know the lyrics are sort of classic ed right dealing with the relationship got some wordplay uh, which I actually really like when when paired with the programmatic elements in the music. But yeah, what I interpreted it was was when you go down, as in like when you get down and you're feeling you're feeling down, you're feeling blue, you're sad. I'll be there with you when you come round. You know, like so if you if you come back after leaving or if you know I've been missing you, I'll let you know how much I missed you. Um, but that could just be my completely innocent virgin ears not hearing the obvious uh, <laughs> obvious sexual innuendo there. So I don't know. <laughs> I'll leave that to everyone else. No, to I mean, that totally makes sense to me. Like, that's probably what it's about. <laughs> and, and we know you listen to him on sweet. the show. Clear this up for us. It would not be the first time that Ed is yeah. doing the double entendre with a song. It would not be surprising in the least. Um, but I think I think it is probably a song about loss, about the person going down as in like, as in... And I don't want to make it about Steven again, but then again, um, you know, that was one of the most significant relationships in his life that just fell apart years beforehand. But like when you when you go down, when you completely destroy your life, I'll be there. I'll be right there with you. But it's interesting because if he's saying that he wasn't there for Steven when Steven went down, at least not at the end. He he, he kind of went down with the boat to the point that it hit the water, and then he's like, "All right, now now I'm gonna <laughs> go off." <laughs> Sorry, Ed. Like you stuck with the boat as long as you could, but <laughs> you didn't go down with the ship. Let's be honest. Yeah, I can see that. Um, I mean, not I don't necessarily know exactly what you're talking about because I'm not super familiar <laughs> with the history. But as far as just aspects of relationships, where you're a team, so. If you go down, then I'm going down with you. Like, you jump, I jump. 
about four years before this album came out, I could be getting my numbers wrong, but it's around there. Um, Stephen Page, who was the lead singer and co-creator of Bare Naked Ladies, left the band on not great terms. There's a lot of, lot of controversy about whether he left or he was kicked out. Um, and we'll never really know because neither side is ever going to really come fully out and say it. They're, they're too Canadian <laughs> to, to do that. Um, but they, there's a little bit of disagreement between the two of them about how, how much of a choice Stephen leaving was. Um, but Stephen was also having a lot of different troubles in his life at that time between alcohol, drugs, mental health, and divorce and a new relationship. Um, and also Stephen had a lot of different things that he wanted to do with the band that the band also did not want to do at that time. Um, they wanted to kind of go in a very different direction musically. Um, and they wanted to keep doing albums and touring. And he liked doing the, a lot of different stuff like, uh, doing a, they, they had just gotten done two or three times at this point doing backing music for Shakespearean, uh, plays at the Stratford festival. So, which Stephen continued to do after he left the band. Um, so, and then he did do his own music stuff and did do some combination stuff. And, and just a few years before that, they had cut off any extraneous people doing um, any musical collaboration with other artists and bringing those songs onto the albums. And it wasn't long after that that Stephen left the band. And Stephen was the big one that was that was working with other people on the albums and bringing the songs onto B and L albums. So that may have also had a piece to play as well. <clears throat> Quick B and L history. I love it. Learning new <laughs> yeah, things. <laughs> um, so that being said, I I I mean it was two albums later. It was a um, actually three albums later. Five years later, I believe, um, total. So the song may not be about that, but it may just be about breaking up in general and watching people burn down the bridges of their life and then being like, yeah, I'll be here when you come back. They always come back. <laughs> and I think that's, I think he actually says that in that song. Like, this is something that keeps coming back. Like, you, the, the relationship keeps coming back around. But those kinds of relationships, like there's a reason why so many movies are made about them, where you just see these characters going through the worst scenarios, but then, uh, you know, breaking up, getting back together, breaking up again, but then they always just like find a way back to each other, that there's this like magnetic connection, whether it's good for them right. or not, not necessarily a good relationship. <laughs> I don't know the the, the narrator sounds very ambivalent about the idea of this relationship kind of going together and not totally happy with themselves that they, that they do this. Sometimes I don't know what to do, but I'll still be right next to you. Yeah. It kind of sounds like, you know, that it's not good for you, but you're kind of stuck in it. And you also don't want to let it go at the same time, even though you're like, I shouldn't be here. Mm. So here I am <laughs> again, which is a very blues theme <laughs> heartache <laughs> yep do you guys have any so lines out of this song that you really liked we've got a lot more keeping us together than keeping us apart it's just a simple question it's not meant to be conceptual art mm. I, like I have to say that was my favorite line as well my reasoning is that my wife will always tell me don't overthink things Stop looking for the deeper meaning of what I'm saying. Just take it for what it's on the surface of what I'm saying. So that's basically like her telling me that it's not dirty lyrics. It's just <laughs> nice. I, I, it's like telling that. me. Like or, you knew that you were going to take it that way. <laughs> or vice versa. Don't look for a deeper meaning. It's not a, it's not a, it's not a metaphor. They're going down on each other. <laughs> just not conceptual art, okay? <laughs> He knew long ahead of time, like, okay, <laughs> being ABCs is going to be covering this. I need to tell him, stop analyzing these songs and just take it for what it is. I mean, heartache and sex, those are like the 
the top two themes of every song ever written. Both country and blues. Yes. (laughs) Both kinds of music. Country and western. (laughs) Not so much hard rock, but... (laughs) So, I don't have a lot more to say about the song, other than one thing that's really interesting about the song was different than a lot of B&L songs. The song's named after a line in the verse, not a line in the chorus, which is not a typical B&L thing, not a typical song thing. You know, most... Most artists, the line, the title of the song is named after the something that's in the chorus. <laughs> Sorry, it just made me laugh because there's a... I don't know if you're familiar with Da Vinci's Notebook. I am not. They are an acapella group that does... I think Kristen would love them. They're pretty uh, pretty racy. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> they, have, they have a great song called Title of the Song. And when they get to the chorus, they say, Title of the Song... <laughs> Like the entire song is basically just a mockery of of R and B ballads. Nice. So it would be like naive repetition of love or whatever. <laughs> it's pretty great. But anyways, yeah, no, I mean it's a, it's a repeated phrase. It's, you might call it a refrain, but uh, yeah, it it is a little unusual, definitely. But other than that, it's a very simple song, and and unfortunately, it's a very simple analysis because it's so simple. Yeah. The song, pretty um, straightforward. And I think that's that says a lot of their later music as a whole. Um, and that's why I sent you a lot of their earlier stuff, Kristen, because I was like, she's going to think that these guys are so on the nose about everything that they sing about, because this is a very straightforward song, and that's not typical B&L. Usually there's layers upon layers as you strip these songs apart and, and find more. That's not the song, though. <laughs> Hey, I'm totally open to hearing stuff. Like, I'm, I'll be honest, I'm not super familiar with them. And I have a confession to make. (laughs) When you originally, like, reached out to me about the Bare Naked Ladies, I was like, oh, yeah, I know them. They did that song, Iris. (laughs) (laughs) And then I realized that was the Goo Goo Dolls. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, oh. Not quite the same. (laughs) Good job, Kristen. I got you. I got you. No. So I'm nailing it, was, it. It was of the era. That's true. <laughs> yes. And they're a good band all the same. Yeah. Yes. Um, you know music well enough, though. Like, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, totally. I just don't know like their catalog. But I did know the well, Million Dollar Song. You did? Yeah. Like I saw when I Googled them, I saw just kind of like, you know, it kind of highlights at the top their you know, most popular songs. And I was like, oh, I know that. Um, and then I listened to it and I was like, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> That's the early stuff. And then uh, I listened to Brian Wilson and I was like, I think I've heard this one before too. I just, I can't pinpoint it like as much in my mind as the Million Dollars one. Right. Those are the two that people really knew off Rock Spectac here in America. Um, I mean, it was, obviously they were both off Gordon, but Rock Spectac is what really made them big here in America. Um, that was kind of a producing type thing where the producers are like, you know what? We need to break you into America and you're about to release this album. So let's release Rock Spectac, which is a live version of all your greatest stuff. And then people in America will recognize you. And then we'll release this album and really break into it from there, Um, which is actually how Stunt kind of like took off, which is their big album for one week. Smart marketing. Yeah, yeah, it is. I knew very, very few songs when I started doing this with Tracy, actually. I, I knew like maybe 10 B&L songs tops, you know. And most of them I knew because he would play them. <laughs> so. Yeah, I, I was kind of inundating you with B&L to begin with. Start like planting the seeds of being on the podcast. Yeah, before we even knew. It was it was a this genius plan all along. That's right. Ten-year plan. <laughs> he was playing the long game. Here's a man that knows music. I may need that someday. <laughs> All right. Well, let's get down to some ratings. Um, this is where I'm struggling a little bit tonight, guys. And I, I'm going to need some help because I was having a hard time with coming up with a rating system for this week. Uh, each week, we try to come up with something to a, a label to put to our ratings. And um. I was going to suggest double entendres, but I think we actually already used that for one of the other songs. <laughs> I think we Didn't actually we? did. A much more appropriate one, too, if I remember correctly. This is a hard song to because it's such a generalized concept, it's not a concrete type how song. How many 
how many dire straits do we rate this song? Oh, oh, we're going to go that deep on our comparison. Wow. Wait, wait, okay, wait. Who who does conceptual art? Tan guy, uh, Pollock. Pollock. Okay, let's go with that. How Jackson many Jackson Pollocks. Pollocks do we give this song? It's abstract expressionism. <laughs> Somewhere out there, there's an art. Someone who went to art school is just like rolling their eyes. That's not conceptual. That's, <laughs> That's I don't abstract know. expressionism. Yeah. yeah. Well, who goes first? Should we? All like, right. Well, why don't I have you go first, Aaron? Just so that we, okay. our our guests can see the system on the spot. Zero the to spot. five. How many, how many Jackson Pollocks do you give well, this song? I know there are people out there who place bets on everything, and I'm very sorry to lose you money tonight because I'm going to rate this song probably higher than you thought. I consistently have rated silver ball songs very very lowly or certainly some of the lower ones i have not been a fan of the songs i've heard from this album as a whole uh a lot but ultimately i liked it it was fun it was i certainly would not change the song if it came on spotify randomly or something like that i enjoyed it it's a nice straightforward rocker it's got bluesy guitar work it's of, of the songs I've heard from Silverball so far, I would easily rate it the highest. Uh, so I have to think about this for a while. I mean, certainly it's it's no, you know, it's it's no alternative girlfriends, no alcohol, it's no Brian Wilson, it's no the flag. It's certainly not a five star song. I don't think it's a four star song, but I'm gonna rate it in the high threes. I honestly think "Hold My Hand" is a very very solid fun pop rock song not trying to be anything you know it's not pretentious it just is what it is it's fun i will give it 3.85 jackson pollocks out of five okay all right that's very specific <laughs> yeah well, well we that's what we like have to do here song 100 at this point we still have another 150 180 to go so we our numbers are getting kind of whittled into the minutiae at this point <laughs> We'll be in the thousands place by next year. <laughs> Kristen, how many Jackson Pollocks would you give? The zero would be like absolutely wish that Thanos had snapped and destroyed this song. <laughs> Five would be you would seek this out every single time. It's on your Spotify playlist. Like if I were stuck on an island and I could only yeah. pick one be, song, yeah. it would be that. Yeah, Probably that, would, that would be a five. Yeah, that, I don't think it's a five for me. <laughs> um, Shock. Well, considering that I, I mean, you compared it, Aaron compared it to, or you said that it was like your favorite one off of this album, Yeah, which means that you've heard the whole album. I have not heard the whole album. Um, so I don't have anything to compare it to on the album, but of the songs that I have heard that I like mm. significantly better, let's go with like... I mean, it is still like the stepchild middle sandwich song. <laughs> so middle of the sandwich. Middle so maybe like sandwich. maybe like a two point six four. All right, there we go. Okay, wait, you Equally were just getting specific. on error for being specific. <laughs> well, I'm just following his lead. Me. I was gonna be like <laughs> I was gonna be like two point five, but then yeah. you know, you gave like the specific decimals and I was All like, right, oh, yeah. okay. I appreciate the specificity there. I'll, I'll, so Kristen gives it a Commodore. I'll give it like a, a little notch up. I'll give him a, a the, the extra change. All right, How's there that? you go. Did I Throw go some change? Keep did your I go 30 enough for you there, Aaron, with the 264? Yeah, I liked it. I like two Commodore 64s. <laughs> um, How about you, right. Tracy? Did you split a, the difference? I, can you do me a favor, Aaron? My computer <laughs> is being really mean to me right now and will not pull up our... our, our I've got uh, it up right here. Yep. Drive here. Chart. All right. <clears throat> Is this song better than the two songs that were kicked off this album? So we've covered the two songs that were kicked off this album, Counting Down and Fall Back On. I think it's easily better than both of those songs. I think that it's better than Counting Down. Counting Down, I rated 2.35. <laughs> what did I give Counting Down? You gave Counting Down a 2.6. Okay. Now, what did I give Fall Back On? 
I gave Fall Back on a 2.7. You liked it significantly more. You gave it a 3.4. I think this song is better, but I, if you disagree, that's that's your I do. I, I think that Fall Back on was a better song. I think it fit better on this album. It's better than Counting Down, but not Falling Back on. I think Fall Back on should have been the one on this album instead of this one, honestly. I think it fits better conceptually. So Hard disagree. <laughs> um... <laughs> I'm going to say I did like the not floresque ending. I really thought that that if that had been the not whole floresque. song, if that had been very like the whole feel of the song and they continued with that without the country-esque or the heavy kind of distorted guitar at times, I would have liked it better. I'm going to give it a three. All right. Yeah. So splitting the difference more or less. Yeah. I had to just kind of hang think out. it out. Around a three mark for average, I think. Uh, three three point one six. All right. Well, that's that's respectable. It's still in the upper upper direction, which is a f- about four <clears throat> hundredths of a point below fall back on. <laughs> but Tracy, there's still time for you in our uh, year end wrap up to to write that wrong. <laughs> I'm going to to actively disagree with you on that. One. <laughs> Um, all right, so appearances, other places that we have that we could see bare naked ladies. Um, there is a song out there. So right now, Ed is doing um, concerts every Friday, pretty much online. Um, he is doing. They're they're not only doing the selfie cam jams at least once a week, but Ed is actually doing full hour long concerts online for people. Um, his son Lloyd actually joined him on one of them last week, which was really cool. Um, but I've actually asked for Ed to play a song next week that very few people have heard. Um, he wrote a song when he was on the Ships and Dips tour, uh, the cruise, and they had a songwriters panel and he came out and he played a song for everyone. He's like, Hey, I've never played this before ever and played a song that, is not on any other records. I looked up the lyrics online, could not find the lyrics to this as belonging to any other song, so he hasn't given it to another artist. I want Ed to play this song. It's amazing. (laughs) Um, We do have it on YouTube that we can access it. I'll be putting that in the liner notes for this week. Um, I think that if they took the song that, that that he did at this and like flushed it out and really made it something... It has a good skeleton. It's a great start. And I'm really sad that that didn't make it onto anything. I mean, we're talking 15 years ago at this point, because that would have been back in 2008. Well, so 12 years ago at this point. So back in 2008-ish. So hasn't done anything with it yet, which is really sad, because it's actually a really cute and gorgeous song. I'm going to put that up, and I encourage people to go out and listen to it. And hopefully, Ed, if you're listening... Please play this during one of your your Friday jams. That's super cool that they're doing concerts every Friday. Yeah, most definitely. Yep. And Stephen Page uh, last weekend and then this coming weekend also is doing a concert. Ed's concerts that he does are for charity. And he encourages people to donate to different charities each week. Uh, Stephen is uh, charging people to attend his concert which hey he's a musician he's got to make money somehow i'm not gonna i'm not gonna slight him for that um but he does an amazing show as well i guess i didn't see it last week but i have tickets for this week's show so i'm i'm excited to see that um and he was also on a friend of the podcast dean friedman's podcast show last weekend so and they did mcdonald's girl together so that was a lot of fun I feel um, like this totally, this whole like, um, you know, the Zoom concerts and stuff opens up mm. the idea for the future of possibly streaming concerts for people who can't get there but want to be able to see the concert and opening those kinds of ideas up for the future. Yeah, yeah, I really think things are going to change significantly. Things are already changing. And why would they or not to say we're obviously going to go back to having being able to see them live in the same <laughs> arena but like yeah i totally think so it's going to it's going to be a new way for people to get that content i was really um heartened to see the uh, the free broadway shows that were playing for instance uh, every week on youtube and stuff like that that's really cool mm. 
the National Theater also has a new play that they put out, I think, every two weeks or so, or like every week there's a new play um, from the National Theater in London, and it's up for a week, and then a new one plays. So, Wow. If you want to see some theater from London that you might not get the chance to see otherwise, that's an option. Definitely. I'm always up for more theater. Very cool. I mean, we have three theater geeks sitting here talking together. Like, who's, who's not <laughs> we can talk theater? all day. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Hell week and all that good stuff. <laughs> I think this coming Thursday they're doing Frankenstein with Benedict oh, cool. Cumberbatch. Oh, nice. That mm-hmm. should be cool. Well, Kristen, now's your time to plug your projects. <laughs> Uh, so people hear more of you. Yeah. Yeah. So I actually have a podcast too, and it's called little stories podcast. Please don't listen to it with your kids. (laughs) (laughs) Um, we do say some bad words sometimes and our topics get dark. Uh, we're basically a storytelling podcast. Um, we're trying to like refine and figure out exactly what we want to do and what works. This past year has been kind of a big experiment, but at the core of it and at its heart were stories. We want the stories, like the weird stories, the human stories, the real, the funny that just kind of like connect us all in really weird ways. Um, So usually we have like a different topic every week and people will send us their stories and we'll pick some and then we'll archive some and then pull them up for, for future episodes and just have different themes or we'll deep dive into one story or we'll do interviews with people. Um, We just did like an investigative one that's been super successful. We feature a lot of Maine themed stories and people because we are both from Maine, uh, (laughs) me and my host, co-host. So yeah, Little Stories podcast. We're on every platform, Instagram, Facebook, The Works. I have a guess about what the answer to this will be, but what would you say is your weirdest story that has occurred? (laughs) The weirdest one probably is the, our investigative one um, about St. Agatha, St. Agat, Maine. Um, Just because we kind of got pulled into the middle of it. (laughs) I'm not going to like go into a lot of details here, but there was a, a local story up, in way up in Northern Maine that was happening that was like really stirring up the locals and we covered it on an initial show. And then we just kind of got pulled into the middle (laughs) of this feud. We had one side of the feud wanting to talk to us. And then we had the other side of the feud wanting to talk to us and like clear up their views. So we just tried to stay as neutral as possible. Mm -hmm. And just here's the episode. Here's what people had to say. You can make your own decisions. And I have to say, you guys handled that amazingly well. Thank considering you. Considering all of the different intricacies that went into that situation and how difficult a topic it could have been and to have both sides coming at you guys, not at you guys attacking, but coming to you guys wanting to share their side of the story, it could have been very easy to get into yellow journalism at that point. And you guys, as you said, are not journalists, even though, you know, one of you has been trained in journalism, um, but you, you guys handled it really well in this really informative format um, and stayed very neutral during that whole discussion and let people kind of come to their own decisions. Yeah, thank you. Um, we're really proud of it because it's also a different kind of episode for us. Um, if you want to check it out, it's under Little Stories. It's special edition. And you guys also had an you also had an interview with a sex worker. Yep we um, we had an interview with Alice Little, um, a sex worker in Nevada, and she was fantastic to talk to. Um, I really enjoyed that. And then we also talked to Sheila Wysocki, and she is a pers- private investigator who solved her best friend's murder. Mm-hmm. Wow. And I was just blown away and so impressed with her. Um, because we're also big true crime fans, so a lot of our themes tread into the true crime territory, but we're not exclusively true crime. <laughs> but we really like just the weird stuff. <laughs> and it's a great podcast, and it's a you know it's a half hour snippet. It's and a lot of these stories, most of the the episodes that you guys do are a number of little stories 
that's the name um, that you guys share with people. That, but at the same time, like it's this really great car ride drive, kind of listen to and enjoy hearing you guys have a great conversation. Thank you. Yeah. And maybe Tracy's stories will be featured on a, a future episode. It's kind of like a puzzle piece. Like the one where you almost died is archived. And I'm like, that one's definitely going in, but we haven't done that yet. It was just like one that we started to curate for. Um, and then making our late to the party, which is just a mixed bag of topics. We have to just make like a puzzle of the certain ones that kind of fit together and, and what people want that week. So and you guys have been doing really interesting stories in the last few weeks um, about about this experience, about this situation that we're all living in, but positive stories for the most part about this experience and, and very uplifting a lot of the times. Yeah, we wanted to highlight some of the cool things that people are doing. So we did like a mini series. I think it was like Happy happy little quarantine stories <laughs> um, and just highlight the good things that people are doing and mm. also just the bittersweet things that are happening. And it's not just doom and gloom. Now we finally figured it out. My audio, <laughs> what I was doing wrong. I was an idiot and I had my mic backwards. <laughs> so that's what it's my first time like recording remote like over the past few months with um, one of Kylie's mics, my co-host. And every time I was like, why do, why do I not sound good? And my mic was backwards. And that's why. So now I finally figured it out. So if you listen to those remote episodes and you're like, wow, they sound really terrible. It's my fault. <laughs> no, they don't sound that bad, honestly. <laughs> so we finally I- figured it, figured it out. And I, and I really do. I highly encourage people to go out and listen to the podcast. It's a lot of fun. And I think that one of the great things that kind of goes on is that in listening to you guys talk, you're very comfortable with each other. Um, and you you have this great rapport with each other. And in listening to you talk, it's almost like being home. And Aaron, at this point, it's like, yep, you, you went there. I- <laughs> And that's the song that we're going to be discussing next week is Home. <laughs> Got to get so, it in there somewhere. Oh, yeah. Stretch Armstrong over here. Hey, it worked. It worked this time. <laughs> We've had worse ones. <laughs> <laughs> so join us next week. And thanks. That was fun. Thanks. That was fun. Don't forget. No regrets. Except maybe. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.